It's episode five, series two. We're back uh, with another episode of Future Sounds FM. I'm joined by Mr. Patrick Fakeman and Mr. Tom Hoskin. Uh, we have a slightly slimmed down panel this week because Rob's decided to go and watch his favorite anti-vaxxer play hit the ball with a racket at Wimbledon, which uh, he looks like he's having a nice sunny sunny evening. In fair. He's gone to see Djokovic play, which is pretty cool. Centre court. Not many people get a chance to to get on centre court, so it's quite exciting for him, I'm sure. I'm quite a big tennis fan as well, but um, I haven't really watched much of it yet. Centre court, yeah, centre court's probably about four or five miles from where I live, and it's a beautiful evening. It was a bit of rain earlier on, so he probably got rained on, but he's, he's wearing a suit And, and well. the, my so, pet flamingo uh, hat, the same hat that I'm wearing right now, which is yeah. uh, really good for an audio-only podcast. <laughs> Um, we got plenty. Was that him um, throwing puzzle pieces all over the court and um, orange confetti? Was that another stop oil yeah. protest? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened twice. They threw puzzle. It happened at the cricket there. last week. What what I what I found today was the most British thing about the issue at Wimbledon today was that someone went through security with a one hundred piece puzzle in their bag. And no one questioned it at Wimbledon. Oh, you know, they just come to see Wimbledon. They might play a bit of a puzzle. Well, people do go and sit on, is it Hemman Hill or do people call it Murray Mound these days? But like, I think it's Murray Mound. And people sit on there and they have their strawberries and cream and their champagne and they spend a good day on having a picnic. To be honest with you, that that part of it always seemed more appealing to me than being stuck in a seat being courtside because it looks like it's quite easy to get to the bar, have a few drinks. It's like Electronicon for people who like racquetball instead. And on that note, I, know, I, 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 there, it, it, I, I grafted that one in. I thought I'd try and get us back into Vaporwave chat. But yeah, Electronicon is coming up in a in a good few weeks. I don't think we need to touch too much on the kind of live issue um, around the controversy of putting John Mouse on the bill. Sure. Um, all I would say is we can include the link to this and point people in the direction of George's uh, podcast. He did a great effort. So shouts going out to Hot Takes podcast. They did a um, kind of a, a dedicated episode with George explaining the situation. And the most kind of take home from that was um, that George has found himself in a difficult position and is trying to do the best he can to resolve that. And it's clearly um, upset a lot of people and there are strong feelings about it. And yeah, you know, um, we're allies for the LGBTQ community collectively. I'm sure I can speak on behalf of all three of us. In fact, everyone is on the pod. But um, hopefully, now that the steps are being taken to kind of uh, address those issues, people will start hopefully to focus on the party itself and the music because he does do a good job of bringing together, you know, some of the underground artists and some of the better known and trying to blend it with um, some of the more sort of mainstream electronic artists and that kind of seems to be where the problem arose the latter uh, part of that um on the lineup but yeah we're going we're going to new york there's are you gonna yeah go? we are yeah we, we, we the three of us are going okay. me um tom and jay are gonna go out there there's a tape swap happening on the sunday i think and there's something happening on the thursday night that you guys are playing at as donor lens is that right tom yeah so i think it'll be safe to announce this now because um uh, it's it's being announced on social media the the as we're recording actually. So yeah. um, Pad Chennington and Geometric Lullaby are organising events on the Thursday in um, Brooklyn, I believe, um, the day before the official events kind of kick off. And yeah, very excited to say that Dono Lens will be playing um, some other cool acts playing Frank Javsi, um, uh, Fake Fever, Groceries, uh, Groceries. Yeah, Daydream Deluxe has come all the way over from Oz. So it'd be it'd be great to wow. meet them. Wow, well. it'd be nice oh, to meet yeah. them. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. 
and I think, I and think that's kind closing of out, closing out the party, which is cool. With a DJ set, presumably. Yeah, yeah, outdoor DJ set. There's two stages, so it's you know it's it's like the kind of um, uh, URL festivals that are happening during lockdown, but um, you know, IRL, very cool. Yeah, awesome. Kind of on that subject, I was doing some transcription for the film because I've said this before, I think, but we're going through uh, each of the individual interviews, taking out the best bits, time stamping them. Chris is the director, is chopping uh, up those clips so that they're all there to be um, kind of you know, starting to be processed as part of a, a broader film, which is coming together. And Data Girl was talking quite a lot about like just how crazy it is when you go to these community events before something like Electronicon, everyone's absolutely hyped for the main event. But to meet up with the community before that, kind of everyone relaxing together, all these online friendships that might not have met in real life. I know that's probably less so now because there's been a few of these shows, but it is such a good opportunity uh, with econ and all the ecosystem around it to get the community together and and off just being friends online I, I do love that aspect of it and she talked really um, passionately about her first experience of meeting up with so many people who'd um, she'd only ever met online yeah I think that's how I saw it last year in terms of because I, I'd arrived the day before the, the the tape swap last year for econ 3 and I hadn't met anybody at all from from that from that point of view so that was despite my epic jet lag um that was how that so that and that makes the following day you don't feel like you you know you feel like you can just enjoy the music and enjoy the time because you've you've met the people that you want to meet and had those initial conversations so i'm i'm glad you boys are going out where's tom's first one yeah it is yeah yeah for sure yeah there's um uh my baby was being born this time last year like to, to the day because yeah. he turned one yesterday so um yeah happy birthday yeah, right nice one but yeah that was what stopped me attending last year i think um probably would have had a, a new child and a, and a new divorce if i'd uh flown, <laughs> flown out this time last year. So, uh, <laughs> per- permission to travel back. this year yeah yeah exactly life happens so at that, once, you know yeah and limo as well is coming over probably going to be um staying with him again in brooklyn somewhere uh we're gonna have to sort that out asap before things get too expensive but yeah there's going to be a tape swap mm. thing Indy, i know is putting together something um for the sunday um but we i don't really have any more details about that at the minute but i'm sure that that'll be by the time this podcast goes out and over the next few days and a couple of weeks he'll be announcing that i can kind of um i might as well also um uh, do a little um, hype tease for Flamingo Fest, which we've we've kind of talked about a few times on this part about how we had long term plans to turn the URL festival we did back in 2020, which was basically two days straight of so many amazing artists um, showcasing all of the many multifaceted layers of um, subgenre within within the scene that we're part of, and um, we're kind of finally getting to the stage of um, putting that into real life, and that's going to be happening in November, um, and we'll be announcing the the venue, the dates, and you know, kind of the lineup over the next couple of weeks. So yes, it is happening. The contract has been signed. Watch this space, Flamingo Fest IRL. Super exciting to hear you say the words in uh, Flamingo Fest IRL. So yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Definitely up for that. And and, yeah, as you guys know, I'm I turned forty three days after that event, so I'm super excited to attend the event and then chill for a couple of days and then go do some stuff for my fortieth. So I'm um, very excited. Nice. I'm gonna have my birthday out there as well, actually. Are you? Well, in New York yeah. or in LA? Yeah, um, in in LA. Well, November the sixth. So I, th- I think um, I think oh, I'm I'm the seventh. Yeah, I know we're we're B Day twins. 
Hey, okay, yeah. guys, well Sandy done. You've pretty much you've pretty much given the date away now. So <laughs> <laughs> just come back and find the nearest weekend to that, mm-hmm. and uh, you won't go too far wrong. So if you're looking at getting an early uh, jump on uh, travel, if you're flying from around the world or from within the states or whatever, there's your clue. You know when it is, even if we haven't yet announced the date mm-hmm. by that point. But yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll have we could do another pod in a couple of weeks time or next week where we can kind of focus on that and talk about the lineup and a bit more and get people hyped and ready for for that show. Nice. So Talking what about, what else um, other, yeah, other podcasts I think we should shout out uh, a new podcast in the game which is um Alex from Pacific Plaza uh Trucks Passing Trucks he's got the the Vaporwave News Network podcast which is fantastic it's it's such a slick well produced podcast um kind of forcing me to up my editing game um it's there's there's no fat on it Ooh. at all it's it's really concise and really really thorough really well researched um like nice. great production values and a great listen so yeah shout out that the vaporwave news net news network podcast uh, are they focused on doing interviews with artists episode by episode or do they play music what kind of um can you tell us a bit more about the the pod itself and where can people find it all the normal podcast places and um he's just kind of done deep dives on on specific genres like including um this kind of vapor breaks vaporwave zero you know what we call vapor rave um yeah. he, he did it he did a special on that um uh, oh, cool. so like docu- mini documentaries almost yeah yeah exactly yeah like little um audio essays um and then um he shouts out uh upcoming events of which there are loads in the states and um yeah we're part of uh, a very small number of people doing it over in the uk and europe but yeah he, sh- he shouted out our um future sounds event actually which 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 we, sh- we should talk about yeah cool so yeah miami 89 um i'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back two weeks is it two weeks since we did that obviously that was it was two and a half weeks heavily yeah. synthwave focused uh we had a lineup featuring morgan willis who'd flown in from france uh future cop uh came down from manchester as well as new arcades iverson and yeah yourself and and me doing dj sets as well i think that covered that was everyone mm. on the lineup wasn't it i'm not missing someone there am i that mm-hmm. was yeah that was everyone yeah yeah and yeah. and we we kind of moved to a slightly bigger venue it was Hearn hill um in south london and it, it kind of felt my, my concern going into it was how well doing a, a, a genre specific event like this was because we previously really tried to stick to this kind of method of doing a vaporwave and synthwave night or like you know incorporating all the different strands and this was very much like uh, a synth only event and they're not there's not been as many i want to say big big for uk standards anyway maybe not compared to america but there's not been many big synthwave events in the last couple of years no, that I'm and so it was a kind of no. a test to see the state of the the grassroots scene there and i was really pleased by how many people came out and how how well received well, it, it was to be yeah it, it was our biggest event to date in terms of in terms of yeah. people. Um, it was also the most chilled out in terms of being organised because we you know, those that put on events know how much you learn from event to event to and event. Um, I think what was also really lovely about it um, was ha- having been kicking around the synthwave scene for a, a good number of years now. Plenty of people that I'd never met before. Yeah that were there as well and I think that was what don't me wrong it's great but you often see the same sort of faces and um, what was great was a huge stack of people I'd never met before that were really um, having a great time so yeah I was I was super happy with how it turned out everyone seemed to be um, enjoying themselves and um, yeah there definitely seemed to be a lot of new blood there 
And Synthwave has changed, mm. it's evolved. Like the early days, Future Cop kind of represents a very direct, lineal um, passage back to the origins of it. You know, the very clear outrun style, mm. very much based on kids' cartoons. Uh, you know, I, I get Thundercats vibes, you know, like proper 1980s yeah, yeah. childhood memories uh, of people of a certain age. And definitely over the last couple of years, you've seen a transition to more and more people doing... Uh, more complex production, uh, more singer-songwriter angles, and it, the, the style of it has, has changed a lot. But there's definitely new faces coming into the scene, which is good. And, and, and big shouts out to, in terms of the event, to uh, Will Cunningham, who did our, um, he did all our visuals, and as as usual, you know, he did our last one, and he's done some previous stuff. Is um, is always on the money. It looked really great. Really, really happy with it. Shouts to Charlie for doing some great, um, doing some great yeah. photos for the evening as well. Um, always, as usual, shouts to Glenn for the artwork on the posters. It was exactly what we expected it to be and what we wanted. So, big shouts to him. So, um, there's a other little sort of support network that surrounds the uh, that surrounds the events as well of people who are always willing uh, to contribute and um, to turn up and have a good time and we couldn't do it without you so thank and you and on that note we did miss someone we did miss someone first mm. Jack Space Jams oh and Jack of and, course. and, and, and that, that, that it, idea Jack. of collaboration as well because obviously we've helped him out with some of the events that he's done in Bristol which is where he kind of bases most of his shows like uh, even just helping out with things on the merch side and, and, and stuff like that but there is a healthy sense of collaboration within the UK synthwave scene with mm. the way that you can team up with other people and there's not a sense of competition it's more a case of we don't need events every weekend. We just need good events semi-regularly and we need to keep the scene active and healthy in order for it to, to grow and flourish as a, as, a, as a genuine live scene as opposed to just a, a band camp scene. So, um, yeah, shout to Jack. He came down and did an amazing set to close out the night. I think he got heckled and, and hassled because by that time, they'd kind of, the, the garden space, which wasn't in the ticketed area, there were a, a few girls around him that were basically just saying this is shit can you play Beyonce like <laughs> uh, he uh, well, uh, well yeah what, the, the way I was going to say it was that he he did amazingly well with at one point I walked in from having had a cigarette and he had eight women around him all asking him to do X Y and Z and he's talking to them he's mid mix he doesn't do it with headphones. Jack does it all visually in terms of how his DJ software works. So he's 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 looking rather than listening, and he's talking. So it was like that. Big it was like that three D blast and Data Girl meme from Electronicon mm-hmm. last year. <laughs> <laughs> Except for there were eight Data Girls talking to him <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, he. Um, I, I I got an Uber back with him, and I think from what initially he thought was a challenging evening, I think he then realised was actually quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So big shouts to Jack, and um, yeah, he. And I, we got it got to the point where ultimately the venue told us to go home rather than us finishing because it was dying out and and leaving. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they they just told us we needed to leave. And that's always a good way to end an evening, as far as I'm concerned. My one, um, my one take home, if we use that venue again, is to remember that every Sunday there's a street market, so the whole road leading up to it was just no, no cars. So I, me and my brother had to come back, pick up all the gear that we'd had, and there was shitloads of merch we had to bring back. Oh, yeah, the morning you know, the, after the, um, the the decks and stuff like that, and we had mm. to like make our way through all these like high end oh, hipster yeah. sausage rolls and. Um, yeah, you're dodging, <laughs> dodging the hemp, bugaboos. Yeah, hemp woven um, like fanny packs. And stuff. Future sounds. Future sounds.
saying, there's not too long to wait. We're doing um, a pretty vapor-centric thing soon, aren't we? Yeah, it was going to happen this summer, wasn't it? But we've um, we've pushed it back really, so so we can kind of focus on the um, events happening in New York, really. But um, uh, when we're back in the UK, not long after that, right? I don't, I don't think we're going to announce it right now, are we? But um, it won't. Be no, no, no. But there'll be a vapor uh, one, one for the vapor heads, the UK vapor heads. Yeah, so. with some big yeah. acts. Yeah, man. Um, so the meat of this episode is a, another really fascinating interview that you've done. Uh, yeah, with, and with, and with, event focused as well. I mean, so had Shirabon in the studio this time last week, and really um, what he was here to to talk about in in the main is um, his Club BIOS event, which is happening at the the Glove That Fits, which is in sort of uh, Homerton Hackney area. Yeah. Uh, that's on the fourteenth of July, and um, yeah, we've, we we talked quite a lot about sort of. Uh, Vapor, vaporwave events being quite a new thing, so sort of IRL genres uh, finding a in-person home and events kind of becoming a more regular thing. So I guess this is the kind of first statement of this sort of um, emerging Y2K video game beats kind of movement that's sort of um, uh, massively taken off online, uh, kind of maybe best represented by uh, Pizza Hotline's Level Select album, which has gone crazy on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Pizza Hotline will be one of the performers there, alongside sort of a bunch of other uh, chiptune acts who come from uh, Shirabon's kind of music scene. I'd say I'd describe Shirabon as a 50% uh, chiptune artist, 50% synthwave artist. So uh, there's a bunch of chip tuners there and there's an act called Jason Page who's like an OG PlayStation composer he composed like a load of music for all the old demo discs and stuff oh cool so yeah the event's called Club BIOS and um, happening on the, the 14th of July we'll post links in the description for that but yeah he's he's a fascinating guy and it's interesting that you you kind of signpost his um what's the way of describing it his kind of uh, allegiance to like video game music because I, yeah. I don't know if you heard this yesterday and Bandcamp seem to have, they've introduced a new feature like listening parties which I which I, I managed to jump on I was I was in the chat with with you Fakeman and um, Glenn I think it was shared a link to the Beckett launch yesterday and what it is yeah, essentially yesterday. yeah is is um, you know you can post an album to play uh, to play as live with a with a chat room essentially and I think that we've done a few of those kind of things using YouTube our YouTube channel but obviously this is a more direct way for people to immediately purchase the album and and directly interact with the artists who are releasing it. I think it was quite an interesting and enjoyable way to experience listening to an album firsthand, kind of chatting in the, in the comments below with, with other synthwave Mm. fans and his album it's it's a new album by Beckett uh, called pixel perfect, which is really like, I want to say it reminds me a lot of the very early synthwave that used to, um, use samples from like YouTube newsreel from the footage from the eighties, like very early outrun, but it's very much sounds like uh eight bit, 16 bit computer game soundtrack music as well, which is it's very authentic. Yeah. Do you remember the track yeah. by Botnet? I think it's called high score and it uses that, um, news, that American newsreel footage about, um, the kind of, 
mass uh, panic about or moral panic you might call it about the impact that video games were going to have on kids who are just addicted and, mm. and stuff like that and it mm. kind of yeah it's this fun tune that plays on the the chaos and fear that people had about uh, kids suddenly becoming obsessed with video games and yeah th- that that really sums up the style of this and kind of there's some parallels there with what Sherbon's doing but I think his is kind of more modern sounding isn't it yeah it's uh it's yeah, it's a few yeah. generations on in terms of consoles. I'm not sure what, what which generation. Uh, I think it's technically the sixth generation, I think that's what you call it. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, PlayStation 2 era, Dreamcast era consoles. They're, they're, the, the artwork for Club BIOS uh, references the kind of um, startup screen on, on a PS2. That's, sure. that's the aesthetic they're going for. But yeah, kind of y, Y2K aesthetics. Um, there'll be lots of breaks. There'll be trance sounds. Um kind of prodigy style um you know uh kind of industrial type sounds there too sounds right on my street but yeah shouts to shirabon obviously the the interview itself is fascinating we'll play that in a minute but just a quick shout out again to um beckett and we'll link this in the description as well but you can find that album pixel perfect at project beckett with two t's at the end dot bandcamp.com wicked all right so this is the interview i did with shirabon this time last week uh, from my studio in northeast London. Shirabon's also a North London resident, North London represent. Um, enjoy. Give us, give us a pop and we'll um, hear what it sounds like Oi. on the mic. Very cool. Let's check that. Cool. So I'm, I'm here with Mikey, aka Shirabon. It's the first uh, Future Sounds interview in a hot minute. We've been on a kind of unintended hiatus but uh, things have been happening in the meantime we've been doing live shows and stuff and um but yeah we're, we're, we're back on the wagon um yeah so thanks thanks a lot for coming to the studio you haven't had too many people down here like one of the one of the last people to come down here was our mutual friend harvey aka pizza hotline yeah so yeah a pleasure to have you here <laughs> oh pleasure pleasure to be here thank you we were just having like a delicious pizza outside we should really have stuck a microphone on that conversation. Yeah, yeah. pizza talk. Yeah, I think maybe maybe we should just um, go for a new format. You know, new um, format in in Tom's garden. Saucy and cheesy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's the name of the podcast. Oh, that's for the Patreon. Yeah, too, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, future sounds. Yeah, yeah sauce, saucy and cheesy. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I wanted to ask you what's um, what's the kind of origin of the Shirabon name? Like, where where does this come from? Oh, so the Shirabon name, um, back when I started in like, when was it? Like 2006, I was just noodling around with some tunes and um, needed needed something for my MySpace profile so I could <laughs> show my mates. And obviously I said like, oh, what's your, what's your name? And I was a bit stuck and I rummaged through my old um, Sega Mega Drive games. Yep. And it was, um, what's it, Bomberman yep. on the... On the Sega, um, I was just looking at the. I think I just went on the Wikipedia and was like reading about it, and the main character from Bomberman's called Shirabon. And does that mean something? Do you know? Uh, it means White Bomber. Cool. Um, but at the time, I don't even think I looked that up. I just went, oh, that sounds cool. And I yeah. like Japan and video games, and I'm making stuff on Game Boys and things. So it just made sense. And it was just like a 
temporary name and then just <laughs> those are the kept, ones that kept, stick yeah, right? yeah and then just kept putting putting our songs and then that's cool i don't it, think the beatles are, intended like, to be called the beatles forever or the arctic monkeys yeah. intended to i did i didn't realize until just um the other month actually that beatles is a pun yes because it's so shit <laughs> yeah yeah i just it's one of those ones it's just completely bypassed me yeah. for years and then one day i looked at it and went wait that's not spelt right oh it's yeah. like beat because yeah, they, they a were drama. a beat combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we, we all agonise over names and obviously they're important, but at the mm. same time, they're kind of not, right? Like I think most artists work. most artists go through a phase where they're like, oh, I want to change my name, mm-hmm. I don't like it. But if you think about it, so many amazing artists have, like, really bad names. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, if you were starting a band, it's like, oh, what are you called? And you're like, oh, we're going to be called The White Stripes. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what yeah, it doesn't sound that, that cool. It, sound, you it know, sounds very like school age. The doors, you're like the door. What? That's that's not cool. But obviously, when you put out the music, I think the music makes the name. Yeah, for in sure. a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you shouldn't be faffing around, sort of changing names and stuff. It's mm. like, sometimes that's quite a cynical maneuver as well. Like it, mm. the 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 easiest way to spot an industry plant is like a band appears from nowhere. And they've got a team in place and stuff. And the, the prehistory is always that they were sort of toiling under a previous name and then they've yeah. kind of uh, buried that project and started another. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in our sort of internet music scene, I don't think we need to do that. I think we can just kind of work with it. And if we kind of do, if we have some kind of reinventions, uh, but, you know, the name the name stays the same, but there's some mm-hmm. kind of reinventions of sound, then, you know, we've got an audience that kind of grows with that, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this day and age there's so much music online it's hard even finding a name that isn't taken yeah these days which is why you find so many people are like the ease of freeze and they just spell things weird because so much stuff's taken so even if you get something that's real words that's that's a win now yeah for sure yeah like a a unique name is the, yeah the 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 doors and the beatles were taken right like the 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 kind of the actual words yeah. yeah, so yeah, the, you're the only Shirobon as far as you know. Are there any other Shirobons? Only working? other Shirobon I know is a break dancer in Japan. Cool. And now and then we interact with each other, but it's very, very minimal. But I think we just appreciate each other's presence. But in terms of music, no, no, that's not cool. Seen. Well, you've done well to, to find like a unique that, yeah. name. Um, so you were talking about the MySpace era. That was obviously a while ago. Um, you've been, um, you know, uh, in this game for a hot minute. Yeah, I was, well, like I said, started in 2006. Mm-hmm. So um, if I had a kid then, they'd nearly be old enough to drink. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, definitely been been around, been around a little while. Nice. And that the the aesthetics of that era are sort of back back in vogue. Like I know you know um, you think about Grimes and Charlie XCX, like they're mm. they're kind of operating under their MySpace handles now. Yeah, and yeah. I think um, there's like a interest from. Gen Z kids in the kind of um, uh, the um, aesthetics of the early social media age. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, just the other week, me and an old friend of mine went to see um, Machine Girl. Cool. And when we were at the gig, I remember turning around and like looking at the most of the audience were like 20 mm-hmm. or something um, and looking around and like how people would dressed and like the energies and stuff i remember turning to my mate freddie who i met on myspace mm-hmm. even before i started doing music um i remember turning around and being like 
It's like MySpace all over again. That's funny. It was MySpace like, oh my god, up. you're right. And uh, that, uh, in fact, you know, there's people in the crowd holding out their phones, playing RuneScape on it, mm. and it's like that whole um, aesthetics just completely come come back around. Yeah, somebody kind of uh, made a clone of MySpace recently. I think it's called Space, Space Hay. Hay. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't made a profile. It felt yeah. too um, too That's dangerous. A step too far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's, some things are better. Yeah, left in the town of nostalgia. Yeah, you know? it was it was like an important time in, in our lives, right? Like the the fact that it was kind of a bit more customizable than yeah. than you know, the, Facebook is such a uh, bland and blank interface. Yeah. MySpace, you could really sort of get in there with the HTML and yeah, bring it out. And then you had your like profile songs and things mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and then obviously always got into drama about who's in your top eight mm-hmm. and stuff where now none of the socials makes you pick yeah. your favorite friends to nice. show on your homepage, you know. I'm just going to do a very um, like un audio friendly show and tell just for Mikey's benefit, but I don't know if you've seen this. This is my. Um, I made a record under the name Witch to Lime Wire. Oh. Take. <laughs> That's um Tom from Tom from MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me from MySpace. Wait, have you seen have you seen what Tom's up to? Uh, he's like a he's a travel photographer, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's um, he's just living his um, best life. Remember, I saw a saw a thing where someone like tried tweeting him or something. Yeah, being like, oh, MySpace died, you're mm. a failure or something. He just went. No, I brought it up to his peak when they took over the world, sold it, and yeah. now I travel the world taking Justin photos Timberlake, and right? living my best life. Oh yeah, it was to yeah, Justin, yeah. wasn't it? Poor Justin. <laughs> but yeah, no, this this is great. I need yeah. to um needs properly. Yeah, that's my my a... si- that's my like silly vaporwave alias yeah, yeah, yeah. Witcher to Limewire. But yeah, that's I made a record about these kind of early social media sort of missteps and mm. kind of it was a very it was a more kind of innocent time but yeah. it was also the start of the internet kind of morphing into what it is today which is a bit of a closed shop echo chamber i think of, so because yeah. at that time as well there was loads of clones and like other social things like popping up every year or whatever yeah um where now when it comes to social media you've just got your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, it's and hard it's for kind of, to uh, break through. It's there's not it? really anything else like yeah. poking out. Yeah. So I with a lot of um, stuff with the internet, the same with like music and stuff. Um, you know, people just go on the same couple of services. Yeah. And it's you know it's not. I can't remember the last time someone went. Oh, I listened to my music on, blah blah. I was like, I've never heard of that. What's that? It's always like, oh yeah, Apple Music, Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Well, you possibly see from your your streaming royalties and stuff like sort of pennies here and there coming from mm. sort of very strange streaming services. That yeah, there'd be of, like the odd penny yeah. from like Yandex. some service that's like big in like India or yeah. something like that that like you haven't really um, haven't really heard of. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if if we're sort of harkening back to those days, so 2006, sort of half a lifetime ago, like what? What's kind of feeding into the Shirabon sound then? So what 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 were your influences on the project then, and like what are your continued influences now? Um, so actually, when I started making the Shirabon music, um, I was listening to lots of like remixes of like Final Fantasy songs mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, a friend of mine, Alice, came up to me and was like, "Oh, if you like these remixes." You should check out this person, which was um, an artist called Henry Homesweet, and they do 
chiptune stuff, so like making music yeah. on like an actual Game Boy using the sound chip with like little cartridge trackers and stuff. Yeah. And that was my first um, taste of the chiptune thing. And actually now um, Tom, aka Henry Homesweet, is like a really good friend of mine. Um, and yeah, that got me into the chiptune thing. So I started off trying to make something like quite video gamey, using the Game Boys and things. And the first thing that kind of broke me into producing beyond the video game sounds was actually um, discovering Capsule. Mm -hmm. and, um, and obviously like Nakata as yeah. the producer. This is Yasutaka Nakata. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and obviously we were at Kyari Pami Pami together, yeah. which is one of the projects that he's produced. And, and you've his... been to see Perfume as well, only a few days before as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his so projects. It's been yeah. pretty um, spoilt this mm -hmm. month. Um, so he was one of the producers, which like, because some of his songs does have a video gamey sound to it yeah. as well. So he kind of got me encouraged into producing more. So his um, still up there with my influences today. Yeah. But like obviously now, obviously over the last decade or so, I've grown as an artist. So he's still there, but there's been other people who have um, come in and sprinkled a bit of their influence. Nice stuff. I mean, I wrote down a huge list of genres that kind of come to mind mm -hmm. when when I listen to your tunes or you know different projects of yours. But um, there's chip tune stuff in there for sure. There's like video game music that isn't that classic sort of chip tune sound, and mm. you know it's this kind of like Y2K kind of breaksy stuff, which is very um, on vogue at the moment. It's yeah. kind of rhythm, rhythm game type stuff. Like I was high saying, there's energy. a lot of um, rhythm game influence. So like I was playing like Dance Dance Revolution <laughs> since I was a teen, and yeah. actually like when um, COVID hit and everyone was at home, got back into it and bought like a decent dance yeah, mat for the hit workout yeah yeah, yeah. for yeah. the uh, uh, absolutely there yeah. was actually an interview with um this big gym bro yeah. who like analyzed ddr and was like actually it's a really good high intensity workout yeah, I bet. and yeah you're like moving your feet at a hundred miles an hour nice. for like an hour straight it's like it's yeah it's good good cardio but yeah um a lot of the rhythm rhythm game side of things has really um, paid an influence into a lot of the stuff yeah. I'm doing now with like the higher tempos and like euphoric melodies yeah. and things like that. You hear that stuff in, in that, that influence and things that are popular now, this kind of PC music type stuff and, mm. and um, hyper pop kind of aesthetics. Mm. It's kind of um, like trendy people have kind of cottoned onto the fact that this, mm. this stuff is fantastic and euphoric and fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, Hyperpop is definitely like a good example of that because mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of those influences yeah. in that, but they're breaking more into like the club scene. Yeah, for sure. But the, uh, PC Music have just called it quits. Did you see that? Oh, really? Yeah. So they, 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 they posted like a cryptic kind of link on their, their oh, socials. And yeah. I think because they've been around for exactly a decade, Mm. And I think it's sort of like this very kind of... Um, Want to wrap it. Yeah, like this clean on. clean art project with yeah. like a tailored start point and end point. But yeah, like I remember um, about, I'd say a decade ago, uh, I went with, with Yana Tyrrell, who's, who, who sings on like a bunch of the Dona Lens stuff and, and things in our scene. And we went to um, whatever, I think, it, I can't remember what it's called, the bar that's underneath the Ace Hotel mm. in Shoreditch. But um, there was a PC music showcase and it was... Um, 
yeah, all like their head honchos there were playing and stuff. And it was just, I just remember thinking like, this music is really fun at a time mm. when like, I don't know, it was post dubstep, everybody was getting into house and techno and stuff and it was fine, but like people were very, trendy people were very serious about their dance yeah, music. Yeah. And like, we went there and there was like an act called Kane West who like styled oh, themselves. In quite, in I know Kane West. Yeah. In fact, um, Gus, who's Kane West, mm-hmm. also in Pero Pero Benito. Oh, yeah. When I started I the chiptune stuff, mm-hmm. um, I met him, I think it must have been like 2008. Yeah. Uh, met him through um, the micromusic.net forum and at the time he was making chiptune stuff under okay. the name um, Steve No Surname <laughs> um, so it was one of those what were we saying about names <laughs> yeah yeah um, so that's really funny because I just met him from this forum we yeah. met up for a pint or whatever and like hung out a bit and it's funny how many people from that chipped scene has kind of re-emerged with like stuff like hyperpop and yeah. things like that and obviously seeing his um Caro Caro project and um the Kane West and stuff mm-hmm. is one of the ones that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, I remember him. I'm i met funny. him from the weird like old old man forum for like the <laughs> sweaty Atari tunes. <laughs> the, nerd, the nerd forum. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it really, it's really funny was, when yeah. um we were talking about this with like over our pizza with um these Japanese musicians who are in like you know, they were all in the kind of uh, vanguard kind of fusion projects like Cassiopeia mm. and Yellow Magic Orchestra and then you see the same people cropping up mm. making club tunes making game soundtracks mm. uh, doing jingles for the trains you know it's funny that seeing mm. the same people cropping up in, in different guises but you know maybe maybe it isn't that surprising but yeah like the the, the P- PC music thing like the they they kind of they were at the, the start of this this hyper pop thing which is which is yeah, like of course. a big, big yeah. moment now um, at that gig Bjork, Bjork was in the crowd Oh, really? a little bogey a little boogie she wasn't having a bogey she was having a boogie um mm. which is cool i just remember thinking like i was going to clubs quite a lot and it was all kind of like moody dubstep post dubstep stuff which mm. was like really clever but like a bit serious and then this was like very dago and fun and they everybody they were like people had their like umbrellas open indoors and stuff and yeah. they were like shooting stuff around and uh dancing with Bjork in a tiny club and stuff it was like quite a special time, oh, that sounds special amazing moment. but yeah i think some of your Hyper poppy stuff captures that spirit. Like you've worked with Girl- Girlfriend of the Year, haven't you? Yeah, GFOTY, yeah. I was GFOTY. just gonna say because I've got a track with GFOTY mm. who was on um, PC Music. Yeah, and so and definitely a lot of our mutuals have been involved with that scene quite a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm surprised. I totally missed this about the PC Music ending. Yeah, they were they were quite low key about it. I think think it's run its run its course, or like you know they've they've got it's like um, uh, mission successful, right? Like they've kind of successfully infiltrated the pop mainstream. Like started as like quite a sort of clever clever arty project, and like now yeah, because it really it really blew up. So yeah, well, it's interesting to see where they're going to go next. Yeah, maybe they'll start the next next new thing. Yeah, yeah, you know they hard... they know what it is. They're trend forecasters, yeah. aren't they? Nostradamus, you know. I think they should bring bring back the um, elevator music with a big fat donk on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's almost going back into the same thing. But you know, like music's always um, evolving, and a lot of these um, label projects that end will rebirth. Yeah, being involved sure. with something else, I'm sure they bounce back. Yeah, I think a lot of sort exciting. of '90s jungle labels kind of yeah. come back and stuff, or when there's like renewed interest in old yeah. recordings, like people kind of reappear after sort of decade-long hiatus. Yeah. Or but also doing any project for more than ten years 
is oppressive enough as it is <laughs> and being human beings you always want to flirt with different things and see what happens so yeah good well, to, you, good for them i, I think. mean you, you've kept this project going for for a, a long while and you don't seem to be yeah. running out of steam well in a, in a weird way i feel like i'm still still baby mm-hmm. you know um i think because i've never stuck in one genre too much i always kind of like have my sound um but incorporate it in different different yeah. styles and it's one of those things i'm always learning things from different artists and expanding that way and honestly every time i make a new record it does kind of feel like my first one yeah all over again and um i'm definitely in a place because um because i'm working on an album now and even that feels like my first yeah. proper album well, you I, can I, I, do I'll this because you're this a... about everyone I've done. I'll say, especially now, it's like I've been experimenting for most of that time, and now <laughs> all the different flavors of things I've learned are all starting to gel cool. together. And I feel like the past couple of years is when I've really found my distinctive direction. I guess we've got that luxury as independent artists, mm. don't we? Because it's like you're not on a major label where you're under yeah. pressure to repeat a trick if you've done something good or um you know you're going to get dropped if something doesn't perform as well as the last project right like you you we were we were discussing like you've got your own label hyperwave records right yeah you're not going to drop yourself right unless i hope not (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no if i was um say like a few years ago if i got assigned to a major like my project would probably be over by now i know so many people who have signed these deals and then lost control of their mm-hmm. like creativity or whatever. And like, yeah, the label heads are like, oh, you made this one-off house track and it went well, so now we just want you to do house yeah, and it can more, be more, like more. quite limiting. And it's just nice not to have someone on your shoulder all the time. So, and I think especially um, this day and age, so many great artists who are coming out just doing it all themselves. And it's yeah. not like the 80s or 90s where you had to signed to a label to get a music video and have it on tv so people can know who you are it's you know the internet is so extraordinary now and there's so many avenues that you can be you know like a lot of artists just got their album uploaded to a youtube channel that uploads stuff in their niche and then took off that way yeah well harvey's record pizza hotlines records kind of you know obviously his his records have had a, a life through more formal channels like the yeah. City Man Productions releases and stuff, but it's, it had this kind of algorithmic YouTube life of oh, its yeah, own, absolutely. right? Absolutely, and those were done incredibly well. Yeah, and it just goes to show, like I think a lot of these big label heads are starting to sweat mm-hmm. a little bit because, yeah, I think their thing is they're trying to nab up all these artists, but by the time the artists are getting those offers is when they're already doing so well yeah, for, for themselves sure. that the labor's interested. And if you're at that point, you, you really don't need them. No. They just want to... You would need to and... grow so much yeah. to kind of stay earning the same as, as what, what you currently are, right? Like Because you, you have to share your money with... Well, that's the thing people. as well, because like, yeah, I'm lucky enough to get to a point now where this is my full-time thing. I've got creative freedom and... You know, time to experiment and work on my releases, 
And I'm at that point now, but if I sign to a major and they're suddenly taking like half of that, maybe mm -hmm. even more with all the people that get their fingers in yeah. their pockets, whatever, I'm almost like fingers back in to, your pie. Yeah. I'm almost like back to back to square one in a sense. Yeah. With less freedom. I yeah. don't really Unless see you went absolutely stratospheric, is. right? That's that's when sort of a major yeah. label. It's like you know, if like maybe worthwhile. But. If I got a message from Daft Punk and they said, We're coming back, we need a third member, yeah. but sign this big contract, I'll obviously be like, you know what? Might, might as well. I wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't mind living in the helmet for a few years. Mm -hmm. But um but other than that, like Ninety-nine percent of the stuff up there, just I, I honestly think like, especially for someone who likes to experiment with genres, I think a lot of label people hate that because yeah, exactly. You'd um, put out a record, and they're like, I did really well. You can't just turn around and be like, okay, now I'm going to make Y2K breaks, mm -hmm. or I'm going to do like a lo-fi techno EP. They're going to be like, no, yeah. you have to keep keep doing the. Doing, doing the stuff, you know. I think smaller labels, indie labels, are kind of mm. are often happy for you to do that. But like you know, you've got you've you've set up your own label for that. Like you, mm. you've you've got experience pressing and distributing and stuff. Like yeah. you don't necessarily need that. But I, yeah, not every artist is going to feel confident taking on that risk. Yeah, of course. But I think it's um, it's a thing. Just like as you're doing stuff, a lot of it just falls together naturally because no one does all of this from the get-go you'll like make a song and then you're like okay i need to get it online and that's the start mm -hmm. and then maybe one day you'll do an ep and then before you know it you're making an album and printing vinyls mm -hmm. and putting it on cassette and all sorts and distri mini discs. distributing it and yeah and mini discs i'm actually um very big on the mini discs in fact um on my last album I sold more mini discs than cassette and vinyl. Mm -hmm. So again, if depending on your fan base and the niche, yeah. I'm sure most of the people that bought one didn't even necessarily have a mini disc player, but it's just like yeah, it's a really nice cool like shelf item. There's a little there's a whole shelf of mini discs up there. Oh yeah. I've got a few spare. Next time I'll bring you I'll nice. bring you so one down. Gonna do a little tape, yeah, yeah. tape swap for mini discs. Yeah, swap. yeah, no, absolutely. But I think they're just like really small and cute and they look really cool. Yeah. The, so, the players have an amazing aesthetic as well. I think like Sony's yeah. kind of um, oh, yeah, product so it's, design it's in that era. It's basically just Sony Central. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they had the sort of portable player and kind of mm. uh, cool headphone design yeah, thing yeah, on yeah. lock, didn't they? In the in the in the early two thousands, late nineties. Um, we were talking a bit about sort of flirting with the mainstream. I was I was doing some internet stalking, and I see that you've got credits on uh, something to do with Cher Lloyd and Kylie Minogue. Can you uh, can you tell me what this is? Oh, oh fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'm like Nardwar. <laughs> yeah, I was saying that that was definitely um, a Nardwar Nardwar moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was like, I thought I thought all of this was <laughs> offline by now. Um, I think it was on your LinkedIn page. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot I even have a LinkedIn. I made one, filled it in, never logged in again, um, and that would have been like probably like around 2012, mm -hmm. 2011, 2012. Um, yeah, no, because I was doing my tunes for a little bit, and then um, at one point got a little bit burnt out with it, and looked at different options that I could do with um, with, with music, and. Um, I started looking into like producing for um for other other people 
and yeah, I did a remix for Sher Lloyd, mm -hmm. um, which a friend like hooked me up with. And then um, at the time, I got invited to this like writers camp where like there's just a room full of people and like a producer, and you all just get together and like write quotation hit songs yeah and for this one i went to i didn't really know what to expect and just put in this very bare bones studio it basically just had like stock plugins and stuff yeah. i was like all right we need to write something for kylie minogue you're not like, making it sound very romantic it really wasn't yeah it's um, how, the, how the sausage is made you know yeah no but it's one of one at the time i think when i did the linkedin thing we did get a track together me and these other songwriters and sent it off and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Then after I made my LinkedIn never logged in again, mm -hmm. eventually got a thing back just like, yeah, she's not she's not going to use it. Oh, uh, but with a lot of these things, what they do is they get a whole, but like literally like 30 different writers mm -hmm. camps and they'll all send over like a couple of tracks and they'll go through them all and like pick the one yeah, yeah. hit one. So it, even though it's cool, a, it sounds like really cool, like going into it, it's actually like quite a quite a lottery, yeah. And so I nearly um, dove back into that a couple of years ago um, through some friends who are writing lots of um, like K-pop yeah. stuff. A and lot it, of that's written in Europe, isn't it? I hear yeah, like, yeah. Like a lot of it's of in um, in Sweden and the yeah. UK mostly. Yeah. Um, make like the vast majority of all the K-pop yeah. stuff, and then basically they make the songs, send them over. And they'll re-record the vocals in Korean and reproduce it. Um, nearly got into that and like yeah, did a couple of briefs, but then it was like the same thing where like per artist they've got so many producers just all making songs and sending it over. Yeah. And if you're doing this all year long, like yeah, eventually they'll pick your song okay. and the payoff would be worth it. But for me personally and I guess my mental health yeah, I yeah. didn't want to like get but turned down twenty times for like one yes. Yeah, and for no re no reason either. You could you could tune in, you could turn in the best thing ever, and they could just oh yeah, no, all, the, it for, all for these people reason. involved are all very good at what they do. It's yeah. just a matter of taste of the group and their management and stuff. Yeah. They're looking and for something specific sort of things, um, and just just for me, I just don't want to be told no most mm -hmm. of the time. And I went, you know what, it's gonna continue with my own music where the only one that decides nice. is me and I can make all the bad decisions I want and cross my fingers. I made a load of demos with a, a guy called X-Waves who was like mm. I think our most recent guest on the podcast actually who's a Swedish guy and he had a he had a, mm. a contact for K and J pop artists in, mm. in in Sweden. We wrote a load of demos but yeah they, they never saw the light of day. Yeah. But yeah maybe we should just release them on a vapor. Like, like, I, I think yeah. we should just start a pop group and just release all our all our demos that everyone turned down. Yeah. yeah. Could be big. Oh man, it sounds so sad though, doesn't it? Could call it rejected, right? The no, but that would be like great law for the fans, mm -hmm. you know. It's like, especially if it's like such a great album, it's like, it's all just rejected songs. Every single one of them. It's like, what? I thought these were hits. <laughs> I want to, in defense of Kylie, I'm a, I'm a big Kylie fan actually. Yeah. I, I, her new song is quite good as well, actually. I think it was called like Padam Padan or something. It's, it's, <laughs> I haven't heard it's, it. It's, it's yeah. good, it's quite Eurovision y. But um, she did. One of my, my favorite sort of obscurities is um, she made a track with with Toa Tei, who is a, who's a Japanese oh, artist, in, yeah, yeah. who's from D-Light. She's got a track called German Bold Italic, which is like a typeface. And mm. it's it's like a 
Weirdly, oh, it starts, it's yeah. got the same sample as Groovers in the Heart. It's got the same intro, but then it goes into this like brutal techno tune. And she's just like, uh, oh, wow. like ad libbing some very arty farty lyrics about <laughs> um, German bold italic being her favorite font. So, yeah, so, um, if you're listening, check this out um, German bold italic by Toa Te featuring yeah, for, um, all the, for all the font heads out there. Yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the typo crew, yeah. Um, I think weirdly, um, Hiromi Hosono's uh, does some backing vocals on it as well. Mm. It's a bit of an all-star cast mm. for a very obscure piece of music, but um, it's really cool. And mm. like, um, I think um, I think there's some law behind that, like that, uh, like Toate just like faxed Kylie, and I think they were staying in the same hotel. Or he, like, oh, faxed fair her, enough. Faxed yeah. her room and was like, "Do you want to make a tune or whatever? Just like, just we can say any old shit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm I'm uh, butchering that story, but yeah, the 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 results are really cool. And there's there's um, uh, a sort of very sort of art house music video for it as well, because I think Kylie was was seeing a cinematographer at the time. Mm. So there's like an avant garde music video for this oh. this um, extreme deep cut. Do you, do you remember that single "Slow"? It's like literally it was it was like a big UK hit, and mm. it is like just her singing this slow chart pop song mm-hmm. over like a, a modular synth loop and it is really oh, yeah. out there yeah yeah really really out there it's produced by dan carey who's like a um sort of fairly like left field uk producer yeah yeah um yeah really cool um mm. just thinking um like are there any sort of particular like milestones that you're kind of proud of along this journey like we were saying it's quite a long journey sort of from from the late 2000s up until now like are there some kind of milestone releases um, are there some kind of milestones, sort of tours and kind of gig performances that you kind of look back on particularly fondly? Yeah, there's always um, there's always a few. Um, I feel like I have an EP called Dimensions. I feel like when that came out, um, things really propelled quite quickly from there. And shortly, like a year or two after that, I played at Magfest in DC and uh, played the main room. I'm representing and... DC on my cap. Oh, there you go. Got Washington yeah. Washington Spirit is the ladies mm. ladies soccer team. Yeah, wicked. Love DC. Um, and yeah, when I played there, um, the stage I played, I played one of the like video gamey club night things, and that room was packed out with five thousand people. Whoa. And they said um, they told me when I played that's the first time during that event they couldn't fit any more people in oh wow so that was definitely like a oh okay this is getting a bit exciting people were just kind of coming in because they liked what they were hearing or you know oh they'd, they'd looked you up before, who knows but there's definitely um a lot of people what is knew... magfest oh magfest is um, a music and gaming festival okay. in the states yeah it's like the one of the biggest conventions probably in the in the world i'd say nice. but it's quite split between um gaming and music so yeah. they have lots of like composers for like famous games playing yeah and stuff like that but every night once it gets late the main room turns into like a club space that yeah. people can like wander into and it's like inside like this massive hotel thing so everyone's basically like living in the convention wow. for the weekend um but yeah there's so there's there's that um, to be honest, like it's been a pretty slow and steady rise over the last like decades, so there hasn't been any obvious um, massive massive jumps. Okay. 
But they, I mean, an overly massive jump could could be followed yeah. by a massive fall, couldn't it? Yeah, well, so far things haven't dipped. And um, yeah, I guess um, a couple of years ago, I um, did a collaboration through a game. I've done a lot of music for just shapes and beats. And we did an official collab with um, Undertale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that that like really blew up. Yeah, so that that's one of your biggest things on streaming, isn't it? Yeah, so that's like my top track. So that's an officially sanctioned thing, is it? Cause I, yeah, yeah, that's I, I just kind of assumed it was like, you know, because you, you, anyone can make a cover and you, you just pay for a yeah, license. Yeah, of course, days, a lot of, lot of people do. Um, but that one was a very like direct and official thing because mm-hmm. the um, Just Shapes and Beats I was working with like approached them and I think it was the thing where... Um, Toby Fox, who made Undertale, was like, I'm interested in the idea, but I'd like to hear the remix. And Mm -hmm. if I like it, then we can make it a thing. And then obviously they told me that. I was like, all right, no pressure. (laughs) Did my thing, sent it over. And in the end, he turned around and went like, yeah, love it. You can have it in your game. And I think it's also quite... um, particular on who he works with and stuff so in terms of like official game things there's really not many undertale features and stuff so so i'm a big fan of the game as well so that was um you're getting to meet your heroes aren't you because we were talking about like you just kind of uh announced over dinner that you're personally friendly with suichi tarada (laughs) oh it was a good 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 drop over over the pizza i was impressed yeah well uh, yeah because um he has another project which is more like video gaming chiptune stuff called Omodaka. And there's a festival in Tokyo called Square Sounds Festival. Yeah. And we played together there. And then afterwards went for beers. And then after that, with uh, every time we have a release out, we post each other CDs of our release and things. Oh, that's so nice. Um, so that's definitely a meet your heroes thing. Because actually before I knew about Soichi Tarada as that project, I was a massive fan of... Omodaka, okay. and he was one of my main influences when I found his first few um, music videos from like back in the day on YouTube. He has lots of really gorgeous like animated stuff, and then um, yeah, that's cool. Um, I mean, I've, I've kind of picked some picked some mm. things out of what I know of your career, and um, maybe it's presumptuous of me identifying mm. them as milestones. But like on a, like a fairly early release of yours, you've got a, a Mitch Murder remix, which is impressive oh. to me. So yeah, I was saying on the, I mean, your heroes, because mm-hmm. like I was saying before, when I got started and I've heard um, the artist Henry Homesweet and now we're friends, yeah. and he was one of my big influences when we started. Um, the same with Mitch Murder, I found their music and completely fell in love. Yeah. And then turned out they used to make chiptune. Okay. They used to do like tracker stuff. And then yeah. we kind of got chatting through that and just like exchanged like a few messages. And then on the whim, when I did my um, regain control track, because yeah. it was quite down the synth, synth wave route, yeah. I sent it over and was like, oh, do you reckon you'd be up for remixing it? And he was like, hell yeah, I'll do, I'll do that. Wow. I was like, you don't oh, shoot damn. your shot. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I was actually like quite, um, I was actually quite nervous messaging mm-hmm. him because I was like, Oh, we've had a couple of friendly messages. I don't want to like blow it yeah, by like yeah. having um, requests or whatever. But he actually really loved the the song, the original yeah, song. So I like we... that one. It's got that one sounds um, like synth poppy to me. It's kind of and actually mm. um, 
sound like the vocal delivery is so like uh, British, like almost like a Pet Shop Boys track or something, mm. like so um, dry. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, because it's like I know a lot of people with that type of like vocoder mm-hmm. vocal. Um, a lot of people are like, how do I sound like Daft Punk? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing with Volko, I don't know how to sound like Daft Punk. And it's one of those things, it's like, have you tried singing with a French accent? <laughs> and then they'll do it and go, oh damn, that's actually pretty close. Yeah, yeah the human so voice I'm, is I'm, 50% of yeah. the equation. So there. my, my vocoder is basically like Cockney Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can hear your um, like spoken voice and mm. your singing voice. Yeah. I like it, but I think that's, um, yeah, like the, there's like a, a really great tradition of like British mm. kind of like dry um, sort of uh, moody electronic stuff you know industrial stuff mm. EBM stuff synth pop stuff oh absolutely like, yeah like I, I hear that in that in that song that's, that's really cool um, I mean just yeah some other things I mean like more recently um, your sort of pack of um, PlayStation reverbs has kind of had like a sort of explosion in popularity oh, and yeah. stuff didn't it sort of kind of YouTube uh, producer kind of uh, content creators kind of mm. picking up on that and it kind of, kind of going a bit nuts on Bandcamp for a bit yeah no that was really interesting because yeah I made this um, selection of just free to download um, impulse responses which basically you can import into your music making software and it will give you the reverb sound of something else and um, I extracted the reverbs from the original PS1 and made a little pack out of that and at the time when I put it out like you know people really enjoyed it and a lot of like you know the the 90s gaming heads were like yeah this is really great lots of friends of mine used in their productions but it kind of sat just like in the in the circles a little bit it didn't really um grow outside of that but then um but then yeah when um when that when that video came up with from um from drew it really blew up because mm-hmm. I think it shot it out to more of like the general producers and yeah, then, you sure. know like out the dark hearing like oh PS1 reverb mm-hmm. just feels like exciting so yeah. I think um, like the reverbs themselves they're they're, they're they're lovely but they're not like something I'd um, pull up the car and run into the desert for but, yeah, but, but, it, but in their own way like they're very quirky yeah. digital sounds and where the the digital age is coming back in with yeah. productions I think with it was almost like perfect timing when that came out because a lot of people are getting into those like digital abstract pads and yeah. ethereal breaks and things like yeah. that so so yeah so it really really popped off and it was one of those ones just like one morning I woke up and just had like thousands and thousands of downloads on my nice. band camp and was like what what, <laughs> what, what happened here and then found this video and then it was through the whole thing me me and drew's been like talking through the whole thing so that was one of his first videos wow and the first one so that blew up for him so wow. we were both like really excited together and he's actually from london cool so we're gonna definitely have to arrange a meetup nice. of some sort and... i've just pulled them up here oh yeah, yeah i haven't used them in tracks yet but i will do very very cool we're talking about this kind of wave of console nostalgia and stuff. Mm. Um, uh, I think that links quite nicely to to the club night that you're you're yeah. establishing. So you're you're at the moment like a one off night, but there there may be maybe more, maybe more. So well, so, so yeah, tell us a little about this. This is called Club BIOS. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm organising. Um, 
too many beers. Yeah. Um, but organizing organizing the night in London called Club BIOS, which kind of lends into that um, noughties 2000 nostalgia of like, you know, PS2 just came out, all the soundtracks are like really futuristic yeah. and stuff like that. And a lot of people are producing that type of music now. Um, but, you know, friends of mine included, but I just noticed there wasn't really any events that directly um, honed into that sound that I knew of anyway. Because it's an online movement. Yeah, it's most, yeah, right now it's a purely like online, online thing. Uh, but a very, very passionate online thing as yeah. well. So um, I'm talking to Harvey Pizza Pizza Hotline, and he's doing great in that scene. He's in London as well. I was just talking to him and being like, "It'd be really cool if there was an event where we got, you know, took it took it offline." Yeah. And um, so yeah, so that's coming up on July the 14th at the Glove That Fits in Hackney. And got Which is to, where we met. Yeah, that's where we met, actually, yeah. Cause at the was, Pure Life event. At the Pure Life event. When you, you were in your guise as a photographer. Yeah, I was, I was um, incognito, <laughs> sneaking, sneaking around with a, with a cap and camera. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, was, that was a really, yeah. really, really great one. In fact, their last compilation really honed in on that kind of like PlayStation yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, they've kind of rebranded in, in yeah, that yeah. as well. And that's really, really awesome. So I'm hoping yeah. they'll do some more events soon. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean so, that's, that's a roster of artists to, absolutely. To, to pluck from for future events, mm. isn't it? But yeah, but for this one coming up, especially with like the whole reverb and thing going on, like we've got the um, Jason Page, yeah. who was the OG, one of the OG sound sound guys for PlayStation when the PS One came out, and he did music for like Gran Turismo, Cool Borders, the mm-hmm. demo discs, um, the adverts for net Rosie nice. and stuff like that mrs pizza hotline was talking about cool borders i think she's yeah a fan. cool she's well into that yeah yeah so that, that would be awesome and then we've got um like new Fori, who's really going down that hard trance y2k yeah. sound and then like rob kta who's basically ridge racer boy and um c tricks and myself who are both chiptune tracker guys and yeah, so we're going to take it offline and see how it yeah. goes. But so far, the response to it has been really good, and a lot of nice. people are really excited. So chances are, we're going to have to nice. going to have to bring it back. I bet, I bet you're going to draw um, an interesting crowd for this Y2K thing. Like I think um, we as Future Sounds, I think Jay, um, my, my partner in Donaland, so he's also in Future mm. Sounds. He he um, he was saying like really should be not leaning so heavily on the words like synthwave and stuff and like leaning more on these kind of like more broader kind of nostalgic terms like Y2K and stuff because actually like you're going to draw a younger crowd who maybe didn't experience this the first time around but like they've they've kind of learnt about it through buying secondhand consoles or YouTube videos or TikToks Mm. and stuff yeah I think it's a good shout to lean more into like a mood and feel than Mm -hmm. a genre um, a visual aesthetic rather than yeah. like a, a audio kind of genre because with the with the night I'm doing rather than being like it's trance it's techno whatever mm. it's more we're just pushing like an energy yeah. that we're going for and I think um, yeah because what you're saying about how people are going to look and things I've already had people messaging me that they're planning their Y2K outfits <laughs> and they're going to be all like 
baby blue and yeah. silver and reflective and stuff like that. That's so cool, it's people being gonna... excited about a night out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just exactly. And I think as well, at the time when, you know, where we're basing all this aesthetic from, that was an exciting time for like music and fashion yeah. and similar similar energies, which I guess we haven't really seen in a hot minute. So just trying to yeah. bring that back in a, in a new 2023 way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my mind goes to, I remember shortly after he died, I went to with that Alexander McQueen exhibition at the v mm. and um, it was like one of these things, it was, it was so popular, they had, you, you, the tickets were, the, the museum was open 24 hours and we'd mm. like, I went at like three or four in the morning and it was like kind of a club, club vibe in a museum and seeing all these amazing sort of like rave and club inspired outfits mm. and these kind of fifth, fifth element style looks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, so hopefully you get some get some cool club kids in in out there clothing yeah i, I think so yeah just i, I think we're, we're close to wrapping it up but um i mean other than club bios um what have you got on the horizon i mean you've, you've been talking about about an album like what's the kind of time frame for that very vague time frame yeah so at the moment i'm working on um on an album that's kind of leaning a bit more into the darker synthwave stuff yeah so um Synthwave is a good word to use. I feel like we haven't said that enough for like a synthwave yeah. podcast. Say synthwave a bunch of times. Synthwave. <laughs> um, no, but this one's definitely. But I'm going for because a lot of synthwave tends to aim for like the 80s. Yeah. And they kind of have a bit of like a romanticized like soundtrack vibe to it. Yeah. Where the the synthwave I'm doing, I'm going a bit more like edgy 90s. Yeah. With it, so there will be little like ravey breaks in mm-hmm. between. But then it would drop into like the kind of stuff. Um, how do you how do you do that, by the way? Because when when we had Iverson on here, they were laughing that they didn't know how to make that sound, and they'd um, I think they wrote to Sunglasses Kid, who's like a prominent synthwave yeah. artist, and they were like, "Get the Polysic Cork Polysix instrument, like preset yeah. one." Well, I've got a bunch of synths in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mostly for this one, the ones I've been using the most is the the Prophet Six, mm-hmm. Dave Smith, um, the Moog Grandmother, yeah. and I've got um, a Yamaha YS100, which is just a really cheap, really dark, messy kind of um, FM synth, which I picked up for like... Like this? This is DX100. No, Similar, the, right? hang on. I'll, I'll have to pull up a picture for you. It's literally... Who's this is <laughs> no, no, my one, my one's worse. I, I promise uh, you. No, but in, I think my a, one's worse. In a, in a really good, basically, the one I've got looks like. Um, Can you wear yours as a keytar? No, mine's got flat straps on it. Got no internet here, but I'll show you in a bit. Basically, it looks like a massive calculator, and it's oh, got yeah. like really crappy kind of um, bright yellow triangles on it, and the biggest volume knob you've ever seen. Did you, bigger, than the, bigger than the bigger than the big knob. Um, YS one hundred. Okay, yeah, yeah, bring it up in there. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that looks like shit. <laughs> but I got it um, for like sixty quid from someone on Gumtree. Lego um, Belts a fan by it looks of things. Do you know? Do you know? Oh yeah, Belt? he's he's a big fan of it. Um, he's, I, I think he's Lego put Belt. out like a little sample pack with it. I yeah, think. yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. Um, yeah, Have you seen that, that video, the supercut of him going around his tour? And they've synthesizer, been, yeah. synthesizer, synthesizer. Yeah, if yeah. you haven't seen that, anyone listening, um, type in yeah. Lego Velt synthesizer. It is, but th- um, this hilarious. synth is actually a lot of fun to play on. And the way you like program 
FM patches are really weird. You like just tap the triangles and they like tweak different things off the presets. But that's played a <laughs> played a big um bit big part on the release because it's like FM, but it's like a bit noisy and a bit like dark sounding with the circuit boards and stuff. It's a bit cr- the output's a bit crunchy, is it? It's pretty crunchy, this, yeah. This it's definitely the output on this definitely noise. sounds a little bit like everything's gone through a bit crusher. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for, but for getting that sounds, it's like a little bit of this and um, just playing with a lot of sounds from like um, 90s like rumplers and stuff, like the kawaii keyboards and things yeah. sound really great. But it's just um, just drowning everything in chorus and reverb mm-hmm. and just like distorting it. Yeah, we were talking about that this. really nice cyberpunk dirty sounds, which I've been channeling in with for this album quite a lot. Oh, this looks this synth looks like it was made on AI, right? It doesn't look like a real No, it literally looks like an AI generation. Yeah. Wow. Cursed. YS one hundred. Yeah. It's also got the um the the loudest um pitch bend ever. Loud? A, no, no, no. Like oh, what, just the mechanical the, noises. The mechanical it. noises on it. Because it's like as soon as you let go, it's like <laughs> like every time. If you could see, hear it, like it's Oh, man, I'll should... have to have to make a sample pack out. Yeah, you have to mic it up. <laughs> mechanical noises. That's funny, man. Um, uh, we got a few sort of listener questions in on our social media. Um, covered some of it already, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe we can just like finish by sort of banging through some questions yeah, that like, fans have asked. So, um, we've got full bellies after tasty pizza. Um, this person called Triak, the climbing guy asks uh what's your favorite japanese dish i've seen that you're you're a bit of a japanese chef based on your uh, social media pictures i mean it's very Unless delicious it's food yeah. and I've, i think after i've been to japan four times now mm-hmm. and i'm just very obsessed with the food i also make a lot of italian stuff being mm-hmm. half italian myself but um but yeah with japanese food i mean this uh, sounds a bit cliche but i'm definitely a massive um lover of ramen mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just kind of the end game what's the best city in, or where, 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 where was the best ramen you had in Japan actually funny enough um, I think both of them was um, in Tokyo actually um, I've had some pretty, pretty good ones in the more rural areas yeah. but there's um, there's like regional variation there? yeah there, there's one place called Kikambo yeah. And they, their focus is on like numbingly spicy. Mm-hmm. And when, when you order from there, you've got like a scale of one to five between the Sancho pepper, which basically turns yeah. your mouth numb, and the chili pepper. Yeah. But the, the flavor is absolutely insane. But there's a, another place. Um, I can't remember the name now, but I just like wandered in. It was like next to Ueno Station. And they did like a squid ink ramen. Oh, cool. And that one. Did really you do a funny poo the next day? I, I, I didn't look. I didn't want I bet, to. I bet it was weird. But it, um, if, it definitely felt inky on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it slid out. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's a. I don't understand this question, but it might be a reference to, to a song of yours. Somebody says, What's a goblin then? <laughs> or is that lost on you as well? That's lost on me as That's well. I think re- someone's just having, having a nice day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we sort of talked about your inspirations a bit. I mean, is there anyone mm. other than Yasutaka Nakata who who sort of yeah? There's a few. For, so um, on this album I'm working on now, um, Power Glove for a very big inspiration, yeah. and they're like a, for the more synthwavy for the more so. synthwavy stuff. Um, 
I was mentioning um, Toshiki Kadamatsu, yeah, who's a city pop artist, who's literally like my, in my opinion, like the best. Not a single bad song. So many out is is amazing. Um, it here's a massive influence, but I've also like ones that people might not realize is um, Bon Jovi. You're a big Bon Jovi boy. Like a big Bon Jovi wow. boy. Um, their first album, I rinsed that as a kid growing up, and there's oh, definitely maybe like um, the talk box business going on. Yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely. You heard it here first, but yeah. there's a there's a bit of Bon Jovi sampled in my songs now and then. So no one's clocked it yet. I thought you were a good boy because you're saying you're not really a, like a, a vaporwave guy. I thought you're all above board, all your own work, no, no presets, no samples. You know everything like artisanal, like made from. Ba- basically, you'd Bond hear you'd sound. hear an occasional <coughs> sound, which yeah. would just be like a really tight snippet uh, of. I love something. using like little one shots. Yeah, yeah, little like. little cheeky like glitches and mm-hmm. stuff. I can't I can't help but have a little dive in. And on this album, there's definitely um. Some Bon Jovi moments in the in the middle of it. No snitching. Yeah. No sample snitching. But also stuff like My Chemical Romance and Slipknot and things oh, like cool. that. Um, so there's definitely um, some stuff that I'm experimenting with this, which goes quite heavy and distorted That's and fun. almost goes into like a borderline like bandy headbanger moment cool. in between. Did you play in bands as a kid? Um, I played in a few bands and they all kicked me out. What was your instrument? Um, guitar. Cool. But do you still every play? single one of them came back to me later after I was doing well with music. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, we should do some oh, music cool. again, man. Yeah. I think just when I was a teenager, I was a bit too cocky with my guitar playing. and You were good, were you? Um, I was pretty good, but yeah. I think I just um, took up too much space. And I think that's when I realized I should just do my own thing where I can... Do you play at all anymore? You can play for fun um, or I use still, guitars I still, in your I still, tracks? Or? I still play for fun with guitars. Um, that I do layer guitars into my songs still, but a lot of the time it would be like distorted stuff with like the super saw yeah, yeah. synth thing. So it all creates like a wall Textual of sound. Um, and other than that, just I've just been a massive player. Not so much anymore, but every now and then yeah. I'll um, I'll I'll excite the fingers and people get cool. confused because they turn around and I'm going. Woo, 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 yeah, and so like, what? I there's thought, like quite there's yeah. like a strain of synthwave that's quite shreddy, isn't there? Yeah, With but I always um, throws people off because I don't really mention that I play guitar or anything. So now and then that's I'll right. pick one up and play a little something cool and cool. people are like what I thought you were like a techno man that presses yeah. play. Oh like, man, we're all like that. But there's like, so no, many electronic. Yeah. I mean, there's either. There's, you either make electronic music because you never at any stage touched another instrument in your, in yeah. your life or you had like awful kind of piano lesson experiences. And just no, like... I've, I've come from a jammy, bandy mm-hmm. background and all, before I started doing this stuff, all my friends were like little metalhead grungers and nice. would always be jamming and playing instruments. It's a pipeline, isn't there? The kind of yeah. metal to electronic yeah. producer. Kind of I think especially with Synthwave, a lot of the heavier stuff like Carpenter Brute yeah. and Perturbator and things, most of that crowd are all metalheads. Yeah, for sure. So they definitely yeah, you can uh, tell go by, hand by in hand. The yeah. Audiences. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so a, lot, a lot of kind of um, electronic music is kind of rock music sort of composed in the laptop like so much yeah. like the, the kind of American take on dubstep right the, like the yeah. sort of Skrillex sound is kind of using sound design to sort of do 
kind of almost gent style mm. kind of yeah, guitar, yeah, yeah. kind of riff stuff is very different to the UK take. Um, yeah, just a couple more listener questions, then we then we can wrap it up. But um, uh, uh, Hex Silver was asking, um, have you done video game soundtracks, and it, or is that something that you'd like to do more of? Um, so far. I haven't done a whole soundtrack, but I've done like guest tracks on games and like some rhythm games and things like that. Cool. I would really like to do a whole OST yeah. at some point. It'd be really cool to do one for like a shmup or like a cyberpunk game mm-hmm. or like even like an RPG or something. So I think there's definitely um, a lot of songwriting styles I really enjoy, which are more on the soundtracky side yeah. of things. But so far. Um, no, no one's, no one's brought me on board. But and well, hopefully the right what? person's listening. You know? yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, this guy Jesus Ortega one was saying, "What's your favorite tune of of yours? What, what are you most proud of in your in your back catalogue?" It's an annoying answer, but it's always the latest thing I'm working on. Because <laughs> I'm saying it um, feels like your debut, doesn't it? Everything. Yeah. Uh, there's. Um, there's one track which I'm putting out soon called Brand New You and right now I feel like that's the best song I've written but most of my like bigger ones from back in the day um, I think if I had to pick a few from the past I think um, Im- Impact of um, TUI 77 mm. um, Out of Love and Fox are definitely up there um also, on my last um, last album, Warp, the interlude track I've got got on that kind of gives me a feeling. But again, like you're proud of that, like compositionally. Yeah, um, but it's honestly it's always like the latest thing I'm working on because that's the thing that's given me the most. Um, I think that's important. It keeps you moment. going, right? yeah. And I think as when I decide like an older song is my best song, it kind of like puts me against the wall is it dispiriting if fans think that or, or does, oh does no it that's all well and good I've definitely definitely got favourites but I think for me um, I always I'm always in the mind frame of my best song is yet to be written nice and it keeps me in the zone to improve and keep pushing pushing what I'm doing that's healthy right let's let's finish um, uh, a musician called Havoc uh, <laughs> I know Havoc yeah <laughs> friend of his, they say where's the after party it's not at mine. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's mine. not as mine as well because my baby's trying to sleep. Yeah. So um, no, it's um, it's ended up back at mine quite a few times. Basically, oh, yeah. every time I put on a show, it just always end up with cab loads of people back to my house, <laughs> but trying to trying to sway they, away. They travel over from Germany, do they? For the... He travels down from Germany. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, no. It's, Come, it's, coming it's, to Club it's, it's at mine, <laughs> hopefully, and yeah. uh, staying at yours afterwards, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's funny. Let's leave that there. Um, I think um, the other uh, future sounds guys will probably join us for a little intro and outro on this just to flesh it out. But um, it's been a pleasure having you down the studio. Oh, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed it in these in-person ones. I think Zoom can be a bit stilted, can't it? Oh, it's much better in person. Yeah. But no, this has been great. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. All right. Pleasure. So that was Tom with Shurabon. And of course, as you know, if you want to grab hold of tickets for Club Bios at the Club That Fits on the 14th of July, you can 
check the link in the bio, uh, the description for the uh, the podcast, and go from there. Cool, man. Yeah, the guy's he's he's it's such a fascinating uh, listen uh, when you do these kind of in depth sit downs with people in your studio. I do wish that we all lived a bit closer so that we could do a few more in person pods. We'll have to get around to doing that at some point over the summer. Definitely a great idea. Because I think it works. I think it works. You'd have to deal with the Zoom delays for starters, or or me um, and struggling to get Poppy to sleep, or whoever it is that's having childcare issues that evening, or whatever it is, whatever it may be. I mean, I'm saying whoever it's normally me that's late. I'll be honest. But, but especially that idea that you guys talk about, where you'd been outside eating pizza, and you were—I well, forget what was the phrase that was that you use now. You're talking about was it? Um, there was a phrase you, you and Siobhan used. Was it was it cheese and... <laughs> yeah, I can't oh, remember yeah, what he uh, said. Uh, <laughs> no, it's gone as well. The, ah. What was this? This is the, pa- the, the extra podcast, the, the Patreon podcast. It was like the, the spicy, cheesy podcast or something. I don't know what it was. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the idea of everyone just grabbing some pizzas, sitting around a few beers, microphoned up and having a chat. It's great. Yeah, we should do that. Sounds yeah, good. outside Sounds my good. studio, not inside. Not Nobody putting their greasy paws <laughs> over all my equipment, you know? Oh, for sure understandable respect respect i'm going to be doing mine soon we're moving in a in about uh well fingers crossed we're moving the week after econ so i'm gonna to have to um put a lot of work in before we go and then i'm going to be coming oh, back with a terrible hangover absolutely knackered uh, ready to go into move week kind of thing so we're moving and i'm going to have to convert my garage from scratch so do what I did with this place and uh, kind of but it's a bit bigger so i'm kind of looking forward to having a clean slate and probably doing it a bit more efficiently next time as well so yeah uh, enzo i love you mate but you don't make life easy no. for yourself can i just, can I just can it I just, wasn't me that you wanted and, to you move. and your brother boast <laughs> i know <laughs> i know i know it's, it's like good constantly making. adding fuel to the fire but it wasn't actually me that wanted to move it's katie she's been pushing me for months and well she's been pushing me for the best part of two years to move and we we nearly moved last year and had the had it fall through like anyone who's bought a house knows especially when you're not buying for the first time you're involved in a chain like mm. if something goes wrong at the front or at the back of it you can be pretty screwed and it's hassle but this place has got better parking it's uh, slightly bigger i'm looking forward to yeah like i said having a slightly bigger studio and a nice big garden and stuff like that it'd be cool it'd be cool it's a very 2023 very 2023 reason to to move good parking mate (laughs) i make myself sound really old but my my missus does have uh, a daughter and um yeah we've got another one on the way as well now so Mm. Yeah, no, congratulations! It's, it's fam. It's yeah. Congratulations, and it's family stuff, isn't it? I I, I totally get it. I, I think it just makes me laugh that you're you're, you're off to the US to uh, to an event. And you, you just got to get home and move house. That's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'm actually going to pay one of those firms to come around and pack stuff for me. Mm. So that's I've, wise. I um yeah I've I've been part of that process before. Is what I'll say, and I wasn't a fan of it when i first heard about it but then after i experienced it i wouldn't change it for no it's a nightmare i'll probably get like we'll get the you know the the stuff that you really don't want people to see or the stuff that you really don't want to lose i'll get that sorted first your special toys (laughs) it's like it's it's like it's like when people have cleaners and they clean their house before the cleaner comes around that's my only special toys are my technics 1210s and my apple products that's that's it my life's not any more spicy than that i'm afraid uh, not any more spicy than I'm prepared to admit on on a podcast. Anyway, not not this one. Yeah, maybe in the spicy. What's it called? The spicy. 
Yeah, cheers. <laughs> the spicy pizza yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. So we'll be back again uh, in, in a week's time uh, with another podcast where we're going to focus more heavily on Flamingo Fest itself, give you a bit of a breakdown of the lineup, hopefully, and a few more details like when tickets will go on sale and stuff like that. Uh, we'll officially confirm the date, though. Uh, uh, Fakeman and Tom both kind of gave mm-hmm. it away with their birthdays. It, it was Tom first. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've got a few tunes to 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 play, a few premieres that we'll be we'll be able to exclusively uh, give some airtime in the next episode. But yeah, until then, we'll we'll see you on the next episode of Future Sounds. All right, see ya.